Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. Byron here with Kristen Neff. Kristen, welcome. Ah, thank you so much for having me, Byron. Excited to be here. We're going to dive into the concept of self-compassion in your book, uh, Self-Compassion, The Proven Power of Being Kind to Yourself. Wonderful uh, title and wonderful concept. Imagine that, being kind to yourself. Tell us, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your discovery of the power of being kind to yourself. Uh, well, for me, it was definitely a personal journey. Uh, it was my last year at Berkeley getting my PhD, and my life was definitely not going so well. I had just gotten out of a divorce, very messy, under a lot of stress. And I actually um, learned uh, how to meditate with a Buddhist group, and they talked about the importance of self-compassion, being kind to yourself. And it really just changed my life immediately, so much so that I eventually have devoted my research career to understanding it better. How are we not kind to ourselves? Can you give us some examples? Ah, yes. It's, it's amazing. Um, people are so much kinder for caring to other people in their lives than they are to themselves. If you just stop and uh, check in, how do you treat yourself when you fail, you make a mistake, or you're feeling inadequate about something? How do you treat yourself? What do you say to yourself? What tone do you use? Uh, most people discover that they are crueler with themselves than they are with just about anyone else in their lives. So a lot of it is just um, a lot of harshness, a lot of harshness, a lot of judgment or coldness, people aren't comforting and uh, caring toward themselves when they're suffering the way they are to other people. So most people lack self-compassion. That's more the norm in our society, sadly, but it's true. How do we learn to not be respectful to ourselves? Well, it's, it's a good question. I think there are, there are two main keys. It, at some level, I think it is um, natural in that as, like all animals, we are very threat-focused, right? So if we, we feel threatened in some way, we attack the problem. Uh, and the system is very good. It's a really good system if you're running away from a lion, right? Or you, you got to run away, you got to fight the lion if it's your only chance, right? So this whole stress response system is very effective. But nowadays, there are actually very few threats to our bodily self. It's to our self-concept. So when we fail or we see that other woman looking better in the bikini or that other man making more money or anything that threatens our ego or self-concept, we have the same reaction and we want to fight the problem and unfortunately the problem is ourselves. So I think part of it is just our natural tendency to want to, you know, be safe by fighting ourselves for our perceived flaws. We think it's going to help us, which it doesn't, but we think it will. Um, and then also I think, you know, so there's the natural reasons, and I think also our society encourages it. Uh, you know, it used to be spare the rod, spoil the child, and society has uh, yielded on that one, but they still have that same idea when it comes to ourselves. We're afraid we'll be spoiled, self-indulgent, selfish, 
self-pitying unless we're hard on ourselves. So, what are, the, what are the ramifications of not being compassionate to ourselves? What well, pain do yeah. we suffer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, mo- for most people, their own internal critic is probably one of the largest sources of suffering in their life, which is why it's so important to pay attention to it because it is something you know we can do something about. Um, but certainly, anxiety, depression, stress, um, self-compassion the lack thereof is strongly linked to to poor mental health, psychopathology. Um, So we suffer both mentally um, and also it's turning out that that self-compassion is a very powerful uh, protective factor for coping with life's struggles. So if you don't have this inner friend at your side, when life becomes difficult, which it does at some point for everyone, you're actually undermining yourself as opposed to helping yourself. So... Um, yeah, imagine if you didn't have a friend in the world to help you out. Well, that's kind of how we are with ourselves, right? We're an inner enemy as opposed to an inner friend, and it just makes things that much worse. Hmm. Tell us about your research to, the, to, to Buddhist psychology. How, how, where were you able to conduct such research, and yes, what, well, what did you conclude? <laughs> yeah, luckily, um, you know, the people are talking about mindfulness everywhere these days, and um, <laughs> mindfulness, research on mindfulness and the health benefits of really accepting things as beyond <clears throat> the present moment um, paved the way, I think, for research on self-compassion to be accepted as something serious and not just some new-age flaky idea. Um, and the research is growing at an absolute exponential rate. I, I published the first paper and I, I developed a scale to measure it in 2003. And now there are well over 600 uh, research articles, including dissertations on the topic. It's, you know, there's more and more each day coming out. So um, it's very exciting. And it, well, it's exciting, but a good friend of mine, a colleague says, you know, Kristen, the research on self-compassion is actually a little boring because it all shows the same thing which is that it's incredibly uh, powerful and, and beneficial for psychological well-being. So, uh, yeah, it just keeps on piling on the evidence. Is there anything, you know, vain or uh, non-reflective about this concept of being kind to yourself? Yeah. So, well, the vanity issue is an interesting one because when I introduced the concept to the field of psychology anyway, and by the way, I certainly didn't invent the idea. It's an ancient idea. So my contribution was kind of putting it in the package for, you know, Western science and research. Um, But I really positioned it in contrast to self-esteem. So self-esteem is judging yourself positively. And self-esteem can get us into all sorts of trouble. We're often, we bully others to get high self-esteem. We're prejudiced against others to get high self-esteem. Self-esteem is linked to narcissism. Um, It's contingent, right? We have it when we succeed, but it deserts us when we fail. So self-compassion is not judging yourself positively. Self-compassion is simply treating yourself kindly especially when you fail, especially when you're really struggling. And so, therefore, it's, it's really not um, selfish or vain at all because it's not about self-judgment at all. It's just about being a, a kind, open-hearted person 
to yourself and therefore to others as well. I mean, think about it. When you are lost in the throes of self-criticism, you are not really thinking about other people at the moment. It's a very self-focused state. But when you say, hey, you know, well, I'm not perfect. I'm human, and it's okay, and I, I, I can be kind to myself even through this too, then you have more emotional resources to give to others. So very, very different than self-esteem. Much more stable, too. It's a much more stable source of support. One more question before the break. In your mind, is there a distinction between public versus private acts of self-compassion or lack thereof? That's a really question. And I, I have to be honest, I, I don't think there's any research data on this. But what we do know, publicly criticize yourself, especially if you've kind of offended someone in some way. They calm down and you calm down. So there is something about we get some benefit. Uh, by publicly criticizing yourself, often in other people, either say, oh, it's okay, or don't be so hard on yourself. Um, so I think there is, that's one of the reasons we do it. Um, I suspect, though, that most people aren't even willing to articulate the level of uh, cruelty <laughs> out loud that, that they say to themselves. But, you know, that's a good research idea, Byron. I'm going to follow that one up. Thank you. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's take a break, everybody. Back yeah. in just a minute. Okay. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Creating a website is not an easy task, and there are so many companies to choose from. How do I know which one is best? It's a big jump making your site mobile-friendly, generating sales, and answering questions with no struggles. If you want to come out on top, you need Frog on Top. At Frog on Top, we take the time to make your site generate money, not just look good. Our team of experts are WordPress savvy, and our customer service is leaps ahead. See why we say our websites are designed better by leaps and bounds by going to frogontop.com. Frog on Top, your one-stop solution for the web. Frogontop.com. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point click and it's live in real time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point click and it's live in real time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point click and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. And now back to Life Tips 
making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. We're back with Kristen. I wanted to ask you about some of your exercises that we might be able to explore today. Could you give us some exercises for compassionate betterment? Yes. Well, one very, very simple but highly effective, you can call it an exercise, but it's really even not even, it's so so easy that I wouldn't even call it an exercise, and that is simply using some sort of soothing, supportive touch when you're feeling bad about something. So for a lot of people, this means maybe putting both hands on your heart or some people feel it's more powerful to like have a fist with a hand over their fist on their heart or just, you know, touching their belly, some supportive touch. And that's because we know that um, they're kind of as mammals, there are some universal triggers of the whole compassion system, right, and the whole um, caregiving self-soothing system, which is warmth, uh, physical touch, and actually gentle vocalization. Think of a little kitten that's, uh, you know, nestled up to mommy who's purring. So actually, even if we are in the throes of self-criticism or things are really, really difficult, simply putting both hands on your heart and feeling how your body responds to that caring, supportive touch is a very quick and easy way to kind of start calming yourself down and help yourself feel more cared for in the moment. So um, that's in some ways the most handy-dandy <laughs> tool if I... If I I can be make a little joke there about being handy dandy, but it is handy dandy because your hands really help uh, amazingly. So actually, so the other thing is tone, right? One so question about you, the physical. I have one oh, question. Yes, okay. for, sorry to interrupt. No, um, no, no. On, on the physical front, mm-hmm. I was I was thinking of uh, you know beating my chest, right? Uh, okay. In, in a sense mm-hmm. of bravery, much like an animal, which led me, which a monkey. Which led me to say, yes. ask the question to you, do animals ever show self-compassion? Right. Well, um, the animals don't have a sense of self the way we do, and they aren't, animals aren't sitting around judging themselves or wishing they lost 15 pounds. So it's, it's a little different. So animals do show compassion uh, mainly to in-group members, to their family, right? Darwin talked about survival of the kindest, actually not survival mm. of the fittest. But mm. in terms of towards themselves, I, the, the thing about self-compassion is it requires perspective taking. You're treating yourself like another. And oftentimes people, when they speak to themselves compassionately, will say things like, you know, wow, this is really hard, you know, I'm here for you, or something like that. It's almost as if you're having a relationship with yourself. So most animals don't really have that perspective-taking ability, but um, they certainly aren't naturally self-critical. We <laughs> actually have a leg up on us. <laughs> um, yeah. So. At what age do yeah. we learn some physical expression of self-compassion? And what are well, early see, signs of it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, and it won't surprise you to know that children who grow up with secure attachment, in other words, their parents were loving, physically affectionate, met their needs, um, they tend to be more naturally self-compassionate. And people whose parents didn't provide them that, um, they struggle a bit more. It's certainly not impossible, but it doesn't come quite as naturally. It needs to be a little more intentional, the ability 
to soothe yourself if you didn't have that modeled for you as a child. Um, so really, in terms of when it starts showing itself developmentally, um, how do I put this? Young children tend not to be that hard on themselves, right? They have what's called a positivity bias. Most children have a pretty, are, are fairly kind to themselves. It all goes to hell in a handbasket in adolescence, as we know, <laughs> right? When we start really thinking about who am I, what kind of person am I, how attractive I am. So um, that transition, I think, is when a lot of people learn to start being really harsh with themselves. But some people do it less than others. I, to be honest, we don't know exactly why, but certainly family factors play a very big role in that. What are some other examples of how we can... Uh, uh, you know, build more self-compassion and, and mitigate some of these terrible problems that happen to us when we when we beat ourselves up? Right. Well, one is, um, luckily, most of us, not everyone, but the vast majority, we know how to be compassionate. We have a whole lifetime spent being compassionate to our friends, being the people in our family we care about, maybe a loved one, a romantic partner. When we see someone who's suffering, most of us have learned to know what to say and what tone to say it in in order to be comforting and supportive. So really all this required is to notice how am I speaking to myself. Ask yourself the question, would I speak this way to someone I really cared about? Usually the answer is no, right? And then actually you just need to try on what would you say to a close friend in the exact same situation and try saying it to yourself especially in the kind of warm, supportive tone you might use when you're feeling compassion for another. And it's really just a, a lot of it is building a new habit of treating yourself kindly. Um, and those skills usually, again, not always, usually are already there. So um, that, that's, again, another simple way. And then there are things like meditation and other things you can do, but you don't even really have to. We, we have these simple tools available um, to us already. Really challenging question, and I'm not even sure how to ask it, but does, does a problem have to exist for us to forgive or find compassion with ourselves? Right. Well, in a way, this is just a definitional issue. So compassion necessarily is a response to suffering, right? It's, it's a kind, caring response to suffering with some motivation to alleviate the suffering. So, um, you know, I, I talk about self-compassion primarily, but if you think about it, self-kindness is much more broad. Self-kindness can apply when things are going well as well as when things are, are not going so well. So self-kindness does not require suffering, but compassion does really by definition. And the reason that's important is because um, when we're suffering is often when it becomes particularly hard to be kind to ourselves. So whenever suffering occurs, it, it can be start to be used as a reminder of, oh, yeah, that's right. This is really hard right now. Okay, this is difficult. What do I need? Oh, I know I need to be kind to myself. And then you can give yourself what you need. Do we need a reward to actually occur to feel uh, that compassion, a physical reward? Well, I mean, I think <laughs> I'm not a behaviorist, right? So um, I don't, I don't think that learning happens only by a process of conditioning where we get some sort of physical reward. But I think certainly um, 
with experience and realizing the suffering we cause ourselves with self-criticism and seeing for ourselves the effect it has on ourselves to be kind um, and caring and forgiving toward ourselves, it, it does really help see the consequences of our behavior. Um, you know, whether or not you need that oxytocin hit that gets released, Maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, go so far as to say it's necessary, but it certainly does help. Tell us about the proven power, if you will. What is the power that you actually get um, by being kind to yourself? Right. So again, um, you know, it's funny because a lot of people, there's, there's two really big common misconceptions about self-compassion. One is that it's weak the weakness, it's like hearts and flowers stuff. you got to be mm-hmm. really tough as nails, critical. Mm-hmm. And the other is that it's going to undermine your motivation, right? It's going to make you passive and lazy. Science has, has proven both of those completely false. So, for instance, in terms of weakness, we know that self-compassion, this being, a, being an inner ally as opposed to an inner enemy, is one of the biggest sources of strength we have. So, for instance, veterans coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan how compassionate they are in, in response to the trauma they experience is a huge predictor of whether or not they're going to develop PTSD. Same mm. thing we found with people suffering from cancer or divorce or any sort of trauma. Think about it. You know, do you want a friend to help you cope or do you want someone who's telling you how crap you are and trying to tear you down? Of course, an ally is going to give you more strength than hanging out with your enemies, which is most of us are our own enemies. And then the other huge body of research shows that self-compassion increases motivation, right? Because when we care about ourselves, think about a compassionate mother. You know, a compassionate mother wants her kid to do well in school, but a compassionate mother tries to encourage her kid by saying, I believe you. How can I help you? You know, I know you can do it. Whereas um, the, the way of saying you're stupid, you're lame, you know, you know what, what a loser, what a failure, I'm ashamed of you, that's going to undermine your motivation, right? And so with research is showing it's the same with ourselves. If we're, if we're self-compassionate, we're, um, we treat ourselves well in the face of failure, which means we're less afraid of failure, which means we're more willing to take risks and to keep trying when we do fail, and ultimately it leads to um, a lot more motivation. So... But people don't believe it until they see the research because it feels so entrenched. And now it can't be true. Well, it is true. Does does peer or uh, you know loved one or partner compassion for you help your own self compassion? Yeah. So we haven't been able. To, you know, there's a lot of research, but it's still we're still fairly much a, a new kid on the block, so it hasn't been explored in the context of romantic relationships. We know you're a better relationship partner if you're self-compassionate, that you have more to give to your partner, you're more intimate, more controlling. So I'm assuming it goes both ways. We don't know for sure, but we do know with um, families that that's the case. So people with very critical parents as opposed to kind and supportive parents um, it makes a big difference in terms of the messages they internalize. So, you know, a lot of parents ask me, how can I help my kid to be self-compassionate? And I would say, well, first of all, the obvious one is being kind and supportive and not shaming your child when they fail. Um, the second one is modeling self-compassion in front of your child. So when you, when you break that glass, you don't say, oh, I'm such an idiot. You model kind, compassionate language. And, 
So we we definitely do get a lot of this from our um, from our family. Yeah. Two. First of all, thank you very much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you chatting with us. All right, you're welcome. <clears throat> Two final. <clears throat> who do you want to get a hold of you, and how can they get a hold of you? Oh, okay. Um, well, so uh, I have tried to create a free resource for anyone who wants to learn more about self-compassion. Uh, if you just Google self-compassion, it comes up. You can spell it any way you want. Um, and I have uh, uh, exercises on there. I have guided meditations. I have videos. Um, I've got, if you're interested in the research, PDF, PDFs of hundreds of research articles you can look up. So if anyone wants to learn more, um, that's definitely a resource. And I've also developed with a colleague um, a training program to teach self-compassion skills called Mindful Self-Compassion. So, and, we're, we're, um, and these are starting to spread out in, in various communities. So that's also a resource if people want to learn more about, you know, actually practice being more self-compassionate. Um, so I would say anyone who really wants to, who's, who's intrigued and wants to learn more and wants to take the step of actually learning how to practice self-compassion, that would be the starting place. Terrific. And can they find you on the web? Did you give a website out? I, I, I missed that if you well, did. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's self-compassion.org. Yeah. So if you and that's self-compassion. Self it is well. It is spelled that way, but I have I have all the domain names, and uh, oh, again, okay. if you Google it, it comes up. So you, you can't miss it. Just Google self compassion, spell it any way you want. It, it gets it gets uh, thousands and thousands of hits, so it's definitely high in the rankings. Luckily, so you have easy to find. You have cornered the market on self compassion. Well, I didn't corner the market. I just. I just I was lucky in that I uh, I got in early, but the idea of self compassion solves itself. You know, it just makes common sense. Good for you. Well, again, Kristen, thank you very much for being on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Right on, and hope uh, everyone's life's a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser, and certainly more self compassionate after today's wonderful podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.